you know, it might only be the preseason. And I know it doesn't count. But anytime you beat the Lakers, even in a game that doesn't count, it's just you feel good inside. It just puts the cherry on top of the Sunday that is your Sunday afternoon slash evening. And after seeing the Cardinals win and go 5-0 and and having a good day on the fan duel <laughs> and also, you know, having uh, a good day in fantasy football to watch a Suns game that doesn't count and see them beat the Lakers by 29 again. It just makes you feel good. Matthew, how are you feeling after that 29-point victory in a game that doesn't count? I'm feeling good, dude. You know what's worse is, I mean, these preseason games don't count, but there's actually people in the crowd there watching a preseason game. So you're you're basically at a game that doesn't mean anything in the life that doesn't mean anything. So I, it doesn't get any worse than that, does it? <laughs> it's just <laughs> perpetuated <laughs> upon so itself. There you go. Damn, you're jumping right off the deep end. First thing I off am, the podcast, I am, man. I am, man. Yeah, yeah. You know, hey, you know what? Nothing wrong with that. Uh, again, it doesn't count, and I've said that like six times already. But again, beating the Lakers, it just feels good, and it makes me happy. Uh, even though we know, obviously, you know, no LeBron, no Devin Booker, uh, none of the stars are playing yet. You know, we have to wait yeah. about a week, just over a week, ten days from now is when the sun season actually tips off, and the games do start counting. But again, it's just it's nice to beat the Lakers. So we welcome everybody to the Suns Jam Session podcast. Whether you're watching along live on YouTube, Facebook, or Twitter, or you are listening to the podcast on whatever platform you consume your podcast on, we thank you for taking the time to listen to a couple of guys sit around, talk Suns basketball after a game that doesn't count. If you are listening, please go ahead and subscribe, rate, and review wherever you are consuming this podcast. And if it happens to be on Apple Podcasts, give us one of those five-star reviews. We'll read it right here on the show. If you're on the YouTube, hit the thumbs up button, hit the uh, subscribe button, and hit that little bell notification, which will remind you whenever we go live, which is after every goddamn Suns game, preseason, summer league, we do it all. Okay, that's what we're here for. We're here for you because we want to talk Suns basketball. And it was nice to actually, you know, for those of you who are watching, you can see my background. I'm at home for this game. And it was nice to be at home in my comfort zone watching Suns basketball again, Matthew. Yeah, you look beautiful. Yeah, speaking of backgrounds too, uh, shout out to Brian Catano. I hope I pronounced that right, but uh, he did this little scribble behind us and I believe that's uh, that's me, you, and Dave King, maybe. That you drew, so. <laughs> Here, move out of the way so all the jamsters can see it. Yeah, I don't know which way to move, dude. Just out of the way. There you go. The, yeah. worst, the worst thing about this is actually just like being in the way. I'm trying to like shrink down a little bit, but pretty soon I'll just be like this so you guys can just see it. <laughs> well, it looks like it's Booker, probably Paul and Aiton is my guess. Yeah, really I'm going to say Dave Rubio. King. Yeah, okay. I don't know. We'll, we'll find out. Rubio. If you're out there right now, if you're a jamster listening and you know, and if you're actually Brian or Brian, let us know who these guys are, please. Well, no, I, I think it's pretty clear who the guys are, Matthew. It's I just mm-hmm. said it's Chris Paul, Devin Booker, and DeAndre. But a beautiful pen drawing by one of our jamster listeners. And this is a reminder, if you are interested in having your artwork displayed behind Matthew, good, bad, or indifferent, I don't care what it is. We'll throw it up there. We appreciate it. Just go ahead and hit us up on on Twitter at Suns Jam. All right, ready to talk about this game, Matthew? 
Let's go. Let's do this, dude. All right. It's been a great day. Let's finish. Are it you off cracking with a open one? Brewski. Yes, I am. All right. What are you drinking this evening? Another yeah, Sam Adams Oktoberfest. Okay. One, I got to restock. I got to restock. So next pod, I better have one. Otherwise, I'll <laughs> let down everybody after promising yeah. every game I would have yes, one. Yes, you so. promised 86 out of 86. Yes. Um, I have a truly fruit punch hard seltzer. It's all I had left in the fridge. I had plenty of dosakis, but you know what? When you watch Cardinals football, and you win 17 to 10 over a division rival, you tend to go through quite a few of those beers. <laughs> so this is what I have left. But Jamsters, pop them if you got them. And although it might not count, oh, come on, Matthew, man. you got this. I there still can't go. do it. <laughs> you gotta get you gotta get you gotta get cans, man. It's all about the cans. I gotta get a, a better uh, bottle opener. That's what that I need. Too. That too. Well, and see, Jamsters, if you go ahead and donate in the chat via the super chat and you become an elite jamster on youtube you can donate to the show and we can get matthew a new bottle opener but let's talk about this game that didn't count against the los angeles lakers cheers Suns beat the Lakers by a score of 123 to 94 in Los Angeles. The Suns are now two and one in the preseason, and that drops the Lakers to 0 and 4. But as Suns fans, we know that the preseason records don't matter because we went 0 and 4 last year and ultimately ended up in the NBA Finals. But as I begin our first segment, Matthew, I got to ask. So, Matthew, I've got to ask, and I, I wrote down two different questions, and I don't know which one I really wanted to go with. Uh, the, the first one was, am I a jackass for being annoyed by the national guys calling Suns games? Oh, my I God. Feel like, we... I know. I know. No, we I know. All... Joking, dude. Well, but but see, that, and, and that's one thing that I love about the pod is, like, for some reason, I, I still have that fandom in me, much akin to a lot of our listeners, where if you come yeah. and, and enjoy the show you're going to hear things that you're thinking at home. And this is one of the things that always bugs me. And, and perhaps I'm a little frustrated just because in watching the Cardinals game today where Mark butt fumble Sanchez was calling the game. And the whole time it seemed like he was rooting for the 49ers. You could tell that he had spent a lot of time talking with the 49er guys. And, you know, when, when Trey Lance completes one completion, it's a, it's the mm -hmm. best ball. It's right where it needs to be. And then when, Kyler Murray creates an, a, a, or, or, uh, completes a fantastic, fantastic touchdown pass to DeAndre Hopkins. It's just talking about how, like, the defender, how he needs, you know, how he he didn't do it well enough. It, it, there was never any credit yeah, given yeah, to, yeah. to the Cardinals. And the same thing kind of felt like tonight when Mark Jackson and Mark Jones, who does play-by-play play for the Sacramento Kings, we're calling the game tonight. And, you know, the he, Mark Jones even said, he's like, listen, I know we've been sitting here highlighting the Lakers for the first quarter and a half. It's like, but, you know, the Suns are really good. But then even when they were talking about the WNBA and preview in game two in the WNBA finals between the Chicago Sky and the Phoenix Mercury, they just talk about how great Candace Parker is and how and how great she and the, the Chicago Sky were given no credit to, to the Phoenix yeah, Mercury. So, yeah, yeah. again, I don't know if I want to ask this question, although I've gone on this tangent, because I know that. And again, one of the things I love about doing the pod with you is like, you're the other side of this coin. You're like, I don't give a shit. And am I correct by, <laughs> by saying that you don't give a shit about what the announcers say? 
Yeah, I don't give a crap. Um, honestly, the thing is, even watching the Cowboys today, game of the week is the Cowboys versus the Giants, which is not a game of the week at all. It's, it's a blowout, <laughs> obviously, because the Cowboys are the better team, but then you're playing a one and three team in the Giants. But the reason it's game of the week is because it's the Cowboys. And the reason they, they talk about the Lakers and even the uh the Chicago WNBA team, what's their name? Sky, Sky Chicago yeah. Sky is because of the the players that they have on their team, just the, the the stories that they have surrounding that team, they have to talk about them more. So that's why it happens so much. There's not a lot right now where you go back in history, you talk about the Suns. Right now is the start of history for the Suns, so maybe in the future, because we're going to have a lot of Mark Jackson, a lot of uh, Stan Van Gundy in the future. We, we are because of how much the Suns are going to be nationally televised and how many games are going to play in the playoffs and in the finals. So eventually we'll get there and they can satisfy you and a lot of people on Twitter and especially DeAndre Hopkins. I saw his retweet about the catch and he's like, it was a great catch by eye. Then like, because I guess they were explaining during the call or during the touchdown, like how I guess you were just explaining it too where the defender did a poor job or something. And it wasn't a lot about the Cardinals and DeAndre Hopkins. So he pointed that out. And it's the same thing with the Cardinals. Not a whole lot of, uh, you know, good history there. But now both teams are playing great and we'll get our respect. But even then, I don't care because I don't want anybody to talk about the Suns. I want them to fly well, under the radar a little bit. That's, more too. that's the other side of this coin. And Det Nibble in the chat says it so eloquently. He says, I prefer the disrespect. It'll make the championship that much better. And I think that as Phoenix Suns fans, we typically are used to having some sense of that disrespect and that chip on our shoulder. And as a fan base, although it makes us defensive and pissed off sometimes when the national guys are calling the games, ultimately it's where I'd rather be because I'd rather have that occurring than uh, an announcer talking about how great we are, like they did the Lakers tonight, and then getting blown out by 29 points. It's like, okay, this doesn't make any sense. And again, it's something that I need to work on as a fan and a podcast host because we're going to get plenty of national games this year. And I think that having this podcast has really helped me in other areas of my fandom. And, you know, it's taken me, it's made me a much less pissed off person, especially Mm -hmm. considering we go live after games. And I actually was sitting in my hotel room last week and just looking at our podcast feed, you know, and again, reminder, everyone, please subscribe, rate and review there. And I went back and I listened to like the first 10 minutes of the game six after we lost to the Bucks, And I was like, man, we really did a great job talking about that game, considering the weight of the moment of that just happened against us. And, you know, I mean, it was really a, a shitty moment as a Suns fan. And we, we had a good quality conversation with you, me, Espo, Saul, you know, Dave, everybody who was a, a part of that conversation. It was actually a very productive and, uh, insightful conversation rather than just pissed off, you know, ranting and raving. So that's not the question I want to ask on Matthew. I got to ask, how about this one for you? Uh, and I'll let you go down uh, this rabbit hole. If you will, will Chandler Hudson be a part of this son's roster on opening day? How about, how about that one? Um, I don't know. That, that's actually a good question. And honestly, I'm full screen right now. And you're ask, you're asking me about Chandler Hudson right now, if he's going to be on the team or not, Hutchison. like what, Hutchinson yeah exactly like what do I even know about this guy at all and I honestly don't even think that he will be or even play minutes so I'm sorry I got so upset there I was just like I I, because okay you didn't know I was gonna ask it no I know but I knew this was gonna happen you know what happened tonight I was watching the Suns game as soon as he comes into play Chandler Hutchinson whatever his name is 
I actually had to watch a little bit of the Chiefs game because I got a little bit of, you know, fantasy in there and I got to see what's going on with Mahomes. I just need a few points and he's throwing picks everywhere. So then I'm not paying attention to anything. So, so could I just ask you the question? You answer it for me because you would have a better answer than I do. That's what I love about this, Matthew. I got to ask segment. These are the questions I wish you were asking me, but you just like haven't. Um, So, yeah, I don't know if you will. Yeah, Chandler. Well, just like the questions I want to ask myself. And the questions that I I think that some of the jamsters are interested in knowing, too. You know, we definitely have a lot of other things to talk about on this podcast. But and I don't know why necessarily I wanted to lead off with Chandler Hutchinson. But, you know, he's one of those guys who came in. He's on a two way deal and he's getting limited minutes in the preseason. So we're not seeing a bunch of them. Eight minutes tonight, two points on two for four uh, from the free throw line. O for O from the field two assists, two rebounds. But just as I see him play, I definitely see why he's a two-way player, why he most likely, you know, again, seeing as he doesn't cost the Suns anything, I can definitely see him on the opening day roster, but he's mm-hmm. going to be one of those guys who I think will just fade into the background. He'll get minutes at the end of blowout games. And number 35, also worn by Dragon Bender, is not something that we'll be pining for this year like we have in the past for the likes of Jalen Smith. Uh, Jalen Smith, however, I felt did look very, very good in the yeah, time that he was yeah, given. You know, yeah. 16 minutes, 12 points, 9 rebounds, 5 for 8 from the field. And the most important statistic for me is 0 for 1 from deep. Again, I don't need to see him chucking up a ton of threes, uh, but I was very pleased with his performance tonight. What did you free- see from Sticks? Uh, well, first, back on Chandler Bing, what, the guy he is, Chandler, who he is. Did you say Chandler playing, Bing? Chandler Hutchinson. Chandler he's Bing. Just the, he's the guy that you pick out and you know I'm not even watching him. And I'm sitting there. Seriously, I was I was even talking to myself. I'm like, I need to watch him because I know we'll probably talk about him on the pod. But then I had to watch the fantasy. And, of course, you bring him up. Okay, enough about that. Because <laughs> – I just I knew that was going to happen and it happened. So this is actually a lesson to all you jamsters out there. If you know someone's going to actually pull something underneath you from underneath you, just make sure you're prepared, dude. And right now I'm looking like an idiot. Okay, so we're going to go to the sticks. Sticks for sure. The one thing you you talked about the three-point thing, not shooting it, but he is honestly he's he's looking like he knows where to go for the ball offensively, defensively for the rebound. And it's like he is right in the right spot. He can play it off the boards. I'm not saying he's better than DeAndre Aiden at it, but he can actually go up and grab it with some force. And that's something that, you know, sometimes it takes DeAndre to later in the game to do that, right? To mm-hmm. where he gets into the groove. But Sticks automatically is that guy already. And we talked about last podcast where even if he's a guy to come in and get rebounds, that's perfect. And I keep seeing it increasingly him increasingly getting better at it and it's really just where you're at on the floor and he is that guy now to where he knows where to be he can play it off the rim and it's it's kind of awesome man it's awesome to have this guy that is tall long and aggressive on the boards and it's almost like what we miss in the finals right it's almost yeah. what we miss a lot in the playoffs last year so it's interesting because it went from like, you know, trading sticks. What could we get from him? Mm-hmm. Uh, Thaddeus Young, the whole thing. But now it's like you're seeing things that they saw in him when they drafted him. And now it's kind of coming out. And it's something that I like and I want to have on this team. And I know it's just preseason, but you can see he knows what to do out there. And I love it. 
Well, we talked about it pretty extensively on the last podcast about how opportunities like this breed confidence, and therefore he's going to continue to progress if he has that confidence in himself. And I felt like the first about four minutes of his play tonight, he did look a little off, and then he started to gain rhythm and confidence. And you can see just in that 60 minutes, especially the last 12 that he played, what that does for such a young player. And, you know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Thaddeus Young because that was obviously a big topic of discussion for the Jamsters and all Suns fans in the offseason. And I think it's going to continue to occur. And I think that moments like tonight, the summer league performance for Jalen Smith and the opportunities that he's going to have moving forward if he continues to progress does nothing but help that opportunity if it's what the Suns choose to do. Because, again, the best thing you can do in life, period, is give yourself options. It, when you're out of options, that's when you're truly screwed. Uh, and we've seen it with the Suns in the past. When you have guys who are tweeting, I don't want to be here. When you got the Mar- you know, Markeith Morris and Marcus Moore situation, the Suns yeah. didn't have options in those si- specific situations. They have options now. If, if Jalen Smith wants to continue to be a member of this team and James Jones wants him to continue to be a member of this team and he continues to develop, they might go, you know what? We don't need Thaddeus Young. But if the season progresses and they go, you know what, Daddy, and and this team develops and we see who this team is becoming by the all-star break. And if, we're, if we feel like we're one piece away and that piece is Thaddeus Young, all of a sudden a Jalen Smith and Dario Sarge trade to acquire him becomes something that is feasible because San Antonio is seeing the same thing. And they're saying, hey, we got mm-hmm. this young guy in Jalen Smith who has, you know, if he gets more opportunity, he could progress and be something good for us. So again, that's why when you watch Jalen Smith play these games, it's so important to see that progression because it gives you options, whether they be with the Suns or whether they be as a part of a trade package that could improve this team at the back end of this lineup. Cause this lineup looks really, really good right now. I mean, Again, like I can't wait until the regular season because I'm tired of saying like this doesn't count, you know. But you're you're watching these games, hoping that you're seeing something good, and you're and we're not seeing something good. We're seeing something yeah. great. And I, you know, I got to give a shout out to let's see where is it here in the chat. It was a really good uh, question. I need to find it. Where the hell did it go? Oh, here we go from R R on YouTube. Is Payne going to lose minutes to Peyton? Now, I think that this is an easy question to answer, but the fact that this question is even being asked displays the depth and the effectiveness of what James Jones did this offseason. So, Matthew, I'll allow allow you to take this one first. Is Cameron Payne going to lose minutes to Alfred Payton, seen as Alfred Payton this evening ended the uh, with six points? Uh, two rebounds, didn't have any assists, but was three for three on, from the field. Whereas uh, Cameron Payne had the 10 points and the seven assists, but was four for 15 from the field, including 0 for five from downtown. Can I just hit back on the whole Thaddeus Young sticks thing? Oh, yes, of course. Um, just really quick, because like going in this year, when we got Shaman, we we traded Carter, we got rid of uh, Galloway, Etwan Moore. You know, those are guys, I know they're not younger, they're veterans. Um, but they're guys that was like, we like to have there. We want to see if they, we can experiment with them and they can be better. And it kind of sucked when they left, right? Because honestly, a lot of people didn't know who Shaman was, what he could do on the floor, mm-hmm. right? I mean, a lot of the Suns fans probably never really watched him, including me, not not on a whole lot. But then you get him on the team and you realize how much better he is. And I'm sure we'll talk about him a little bit. Oh, it yeah. just shows like, oh my God, it would be the same thing with Sticks. If he were to be traded and we get Thaddeus Young back, if if Sticks is showing something to that he's improving, 
then if we get Thaddeus Young, we're like, okay, this is why we wanted Thaddeus. It's going to be one of those situations. It's going to be tough to let go. But mm-hmm. then when you get Thaddeus in here and you're like, okay, this is why we need him. So I just wanted to say that really quick. But yeah, that's a good question. I was asking myself during the game. I was like, is Payne better than Westbrook right now? Russell Westbrook? <laughs> I know Russell Westbrook's older, but just the way Payne plays, his enthusiasm, the floaters, everything he does in the lane, getting to the rim, the chemistry he's working with, uh, McGee too, like you see it all. Like, Chris Paul told him, and that's one guy that says this: these games do matter. Chris Paul told him, like, hey, you know, figure out the chemistry between you and McGee, the second team, and he's doing that already. It says yes. quickly. I know it's preseason, but it does matter to Chris Paul and this whole team. Um, I don't think he's going to lose minutes at all. The only thing is, like, Peyton, I know he's a starter last year with New York. Mm-hmm. So then I'm, I'm going to ask, like, is Peyton going to be okay with the minimal minutes he's going to get? next to pain maybe there's a spurt during the season where he gets more to give some rest to pain and chris paul who knows but right now i'm just thinking like pain might be the guy or i'm sorry peyton might be the guy who might get a little frustrated with no minutes even though this team last year didn't have that issue but i know peyton wants to play a lot you know he thinks he's really great and he's probably think he he can still be a starting point guard so is he going to be okay getting minimal minutes I think so because he signed a contract here as a free agent under that that premise. I mean, he came here not through a trade. He came here as a free agent, and he has you know a prior relationship with uh, yeah. with with Monty Williams, and that was probably the understanding. It's like, listen, we're going to bring you in, and you're going to be our third point guard. And if you know there might be defensive spurts in the game where the second team for the opposition is playing well, so we're going to bring you in, and we're just going to have you play some lockdown D. Uh, because that's okay. his forte, and he's you know not a shooter. He's a guy who lives off that floater that you love oh so much, uh, but he's not somebody who I feel is truly going to be frustrated. I can't see anybody on this team running into any ego-based frustrations relative to minutes, and that is what, again, when we talk about the organic chemistry of the Phoenix Suns, yeah, that's that fortifies that statement. You know, uh, Luis says in the chat on YouTube, and again, thank you for joining us. Uh, I think the question is if Payne will lose minutes to Shamit. And I think that that's more of a possible occurrence and tr- a good transition into the Landry Shamit conversation. Yeah. Because yeah. in the past, what we saw last season is we saw a lot of Chris Paul and uh, cam- and campaign minutes. We saw the double CP backcourt. And then we saw campaign and Devin Booker. And that was kind of the three guard lineup that they would run through rotations, especially in those time frames where they wanted to ensure that at least Chris Paul or Devin Booker was always on the floor to ensure that there was a playmaker out there. Because as much as we love campaign, he wasn't the best playmaker. Now, that being said, this preseason, he's starting to show more consistency in that area of playmaking. Again, seven assists tonight. But when you have Landry Shamit playing the way that he is, uh, I mean, he's just fantastic. I I am easily driving the Landry Shamit fan club bus down the highway. I absolutely love this guy. Uh, you know, I wrote that piece for brightsideofthesun.com. You know, he scored eight out of the Suns' first 10, hit a buzzer beater at the end of the first half. He's yeah, truly yeah. being utilized the way that allows him to be maximum effective. And kind of, you know, it'll be interesting to see how those minutes occur during the regular season if it's like, okay, if we are only going to go with a three-guard rotation with Devin Booker, Chris Paul, and, you know, insert player here's uh, minutes, if it'll be more pain or more sham it. What do you, what do you think? 
Uh, it's it's I love that the play at the end of the half. So that's Payne and that's Shamit right there. And what Payne did, like you were talking about his playmaking last year, where it wasn't the best, but I'm sure he wants to improve. When he got that rebound with two seconds left, he waited for Shamit to hit the corner. And what Shamit did was go to the corner. Yes. Those are things where remember when Book used to like, where why are you not going to the corner? <laughs> yeah, they're just knows. standing there watching him. Yeah, Shamit knows. He's like, I have a wide open three. Let me get in a spot to where he can hit me. And that's what happened. And Payne. Honestly, I thought he would just chuck it back up from like another little floater, even though I love the floaters, but he didn't. He waited and he got over there. But Shamit, he's something else, man. I was almost like tonight, I was thinking, I'm like, Book who? He fills the role so well. You know what I mean? When Book is out and when you talk about their minutes and how they might be replaced and replacing each other's minutes, I don't think it's going to happen. I think you're going to see a lot of Shamit and Payne together. I, I think that too. can work. And I just think Shamit he'll come in and replace book. Like he does a lot. I mean, he's not Booker, but he does a lot. What you need just a shooting. He's unselfish mm-hmm. too. Now he's a guy that, I mean, there's a transition today where he could have hit a three, but it was a bad looking shot. He was kind of wide open, but he waited for his teammates to come down there. They got a better shot and they actually made the baskets because it was an easier shot. And he set his teammate up. Those are things where I didn't really expect. I know he's a shooter, but you're just seeing things, the reasons why he just blends so well with this team and even the second unit. And I know he started tonight, but he can just fill any role. I feel like he can just play basically beside anybody that's on the court. Yeah, I, you know, when you're utilizing him effectively, that's what occurs. And I think that, you know, you look at a lot of his usage rates in his previous uh, stints with, you know, the, the Brooklyn Nets and the Clippers. And, you know, he got, he, un, he it was, what's interesting is he played a lot of small forward, which I thought was really interesting. Okay. You know, I was just like, oh, he's, he's, he's playing small forward, you know, like that doesn't make sense. But, I, you know, they, they did a lot of small ball lineups uh, with those teams. So he wasn't necessarily playing in position. And I think that due to the depth of this team, he's really going to have an opportunity to play those two guard minutes the way that he is designed to play and will effectively uh, execute. And I think that that is something yeah. that, you know, again, is, is going to be absolutely huge for this team to, to have sustained offense in the absence of Devin Booker. When he takes a rest, we don't need to cut, you know, we, the great thing about this team is we're not going to need 36 minutes a night of Devin Booker. We can roll with 31 to 32 as the team is constructed right now, you know, knowing that everybody's healthy right now. I mean, that's, that's the perfect world. So when the playoffs do come around, everybody on your team is well rested and, and primed to, to perform in those, those uh, situations. So you look at, at Devin Booker, you know, last year he had 33.9 minutes per game. The previous year he had 36 minutes a game, 35 the year before, 34.5 the year before, 35 the year before, and then his rookie season was 27.7 minutes. You know, if we can get him to, again, fulfill that same kind of 30, 31 to 33 minutes per game, and then you have Landry Shamit coming in, and you got Cameron Payne coming in behind Chris Paul. Yeah, I keep mean, him coming. And, and and then Alfred Payton behind that in case you want to switch anything up and yes. or if there's any injuries. I mean, again, you know, like Suns and Forge just said, somehow the Suns got deeper than last year. I know. And that's what's beautiful about watching this team. I know these games don't count, but you're seeing a team that with these new pieces and with these old pieces, no matter what semblance of a roster is on the floor, there's a cohesiveness that 
you just didn't exist in Suns basketball this deep, <laughs> in my opinion, ever. This is the deepest Suns team yeah. I've ever seen rostered for this organization. I mean, it's just fantastic. It's endless. And uh, you were talking about Shaman playing the three. I did notice tonight, too, like he is longer than you think, too. But he he did crash on some boards, too, earlier in the game. And I loved it, dude. Like he is everywhere. He seems like a lot of players that come into the Suns organization now. They know where to be on the court. And he's just another one of those guys. And the deeper they get, the better it is. But it's almost like now I feel like if we were to add someone else, is it like unfair? It's kind of like the Brooklyn Nets when they kept adding like all stars from like 10 years ago and they're like, well, that's the key. And Steve Nash is like, wait, you don't want us to get better. And like in a press conference, and it's almost like, you know, the Suns are just so deep right now and like they're stardom. And you're talking about Booker losing minutes. Like if he plays like 32 minutes, it's like, Oh no. And then that's another reason for him to miss the all-star game. So that's something to, to worry about, you know, no, no but, but, but knowing, but knowing Booker, he'll be so effective in those minutes. I mean, again, he had 33.9 minutes, true. you know, almost, almost 34 minutes a game last year. And I'm not even okay with him, you know, 34 minutes a game. Uh, you know, if we have yeah. to play 36, he can do it. I mean, there's not an issue there. He's in his prime right now. Like we're in, we are entering prime book, but I'm just saying that, there's an opportunity where you might not necessarily need that. And this team will still be successful. I mean, that's mm-hmm. how deep this team is. And, and continuing that conversation, uh, JaVale McGee continues to play his playmaking skills. He's kind of like Dario Saric, but way less clunky and a lot more fluid. I mean, there was one play where like he rebounded the ball and in the same motion turned and threw an outlet pass before he landed on the ground. And I was just like, what? Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, this is like that we've missed this forever. He even had a little sky hook play, you know, coming yeah. off the right elbow. I was just like, you know, again, we, we know that we are going to see those those dumb moments from JaVale McGee. He's going to do stuff that's dumb and it'll, it'll frustrate us at times. But a lot of what I'm seeing in the preseason, you know, the bounce passes, the playmaking, the aggressiveness, the knowing where to go and, you know, the, the signs of a veteran. Mm-hmm. It's been, again, a, a pleasure to watch. Yeah, and McGee is he's fun, right? He's a guy mm-hmm. that you really want behind DeAndre Ayton, I think. Uh he's not like the most aggressive guy, but I feel like he's someone that can be a really good mentor towards him. His his play so far has really been spectacular. I mean, the chemistry of him mixing even with Cameron Johnson on certain plays, like it's so quickly, it's it's already there. They already have like plays drawn up. They're like, okay, if I'm doing this with the ball, if I'm I'm, th- I'm right here on the floor, this is where you need to go, this is where you need to be to get open. And they're already they're figuring that stuff out now. And I know, oh my god, how many times am I going to say this? And I know, person, all right, I'm gonna stop saying it. <laughs> and <laughs> it I know. matters. One more game, and it all matters. <laughs> yes, one more game, and it all matters. I can't. God, I can't wait for this regular season, man. I'm I so hyped. I'm, I'm so hyped. Yeah, Luis says in the chat, he's got some nice post moves too. Yeah, like he knows what to do down there. It's not like having Frank Kaminsky or Aaron Baines down on the block because they. Yeah. Like JaVale McGee knows what to do and he knows who he is. And he knows what his strengths are. And I think that that will continue to flourish into good things for the Phoenix Suns. Uh, talking a little bit about the Lakers, you know, Anthony Davis. Uh, what, what did he end up posting tonight? Because he had a nice little 10-0 run himself. He had 19 points. He uh, shot one for three from three, five for 12 from the field, six assists, three rebounds, and was on the floor 18,000 times as <laughs> per usual. <laughs> Dude, this guy's always yeah. on the floor, man. Like if he was he my the cornerstone of my franchise, I would be frustrated with how many times like he willingly just kind of goes to the floor. He's he like, and to. I'm falling down now. Yeah, down. he has to. It's 
it's like the way the players are when they're that old and they're not that old, but like when they're in the time of just, you know, injury after injury, falling on the floor, I guess, is preventing yourself from being injured. If you're landing on your ankles, your feet and your knees, you don't want to yeah. do that. So you want to land so on you, your tush. So you just land on your tush every yeah. time. Seriously, well, you that's, know, a, that's a thing, I think. Well, and watching him, you know, like he, he shoots those threes. And, you know, I got to ask you a couple questions about Anthony Davis. Do you think he wants to be a four too much? Kind of like how a Marty Stoudemire, like we wanted him to be a five yeah. and he always wanted to be a four. And there was yes. always some sense of friction because, again, tonight they started DeAndre Jordan. They started him at, at the four. He likes to shoot perimeter shots. You know, I mean, do you think that yeah. that is to his detriment? No, I, I think that for sure he thinks it's very unsexy to be a center, and a lot of players do, right? You don't want to be labeled a center. You want to be a stretch four, do what he does. You want to be that size and do as many things as you do on the floor just because it, it seems cooler, right? It seems like, oh, this guy has so many things in his arsenal. He can do so much, shoot the three, the low post game, mid-range, whatever, find his teammates, be unselfish. That's Anthony Davis. But then when you say, like, oh, he's a center doing it, it's unsex. It's really, really unsexy. Unless you're like Jokic. Jokic is a very good center. He he owns it, right? You got to just yes. own it. And then you can start playing your game as a center and then be an all-star like Jokic has done mm-hmm. in an MVP. I just think Anthony Davis right now, he'll he'll start the game as a four. But when it comes to crunch time, like what I'm what I really do think that the Nets are doing with Kevin Durant is he's going to be playing like the five. And it doesn't mean like it's like banging down there, grabbing boards and stuff. It's like if they're down there, they're going to get the boards. They don't have to do too much as they're already such a big body. So when it comes to crunch time, he'll be where he wants to be. I mean, he'll be at the five, but starting the game, he'll be where he wants to be. That way he can always get the nod as the power yes, forward. Yes. That's just a thing. That's a thing that players in the NBA do, right? That's just the way they are. They don't want to be the center if they were brought up as a four. And you hear well, that from DeAndre too. I, I don't know if that's even true still, where he wants to be. No, for, I feel like I don't know. I feel if, like is that that's just made up. Yeah, I feel like that's more of an analyzation of how he was utilized at the University of Arizona in college, where he did play a lot of four. So therefore, people are just like, yeah, he has an affinity for playing the four. That's what he wants. And even he has said that he doesn't like to be referred to as a big necessarily, but now he's almost embracing that. And I think yeah. after the playoff run last year, like he's proud to play the five. I think it's really a uh, it's it's nice that we don't have this issue with DeAndre where we're constantly hearing about him wanting to play out of position because it benefits him. And that's, again, a a detriment to Anthony Davis, in my opinion, is he wants to play out of position because it it complements his game better. But his team needs him to do something else. And he was brought in to do something else. Now, granted, you are playing for the Los Angeles Lakers who have LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony, both who can play a a four in crunch time. And that'll be one of the things that this team's really going to have to figure out as the season progresses is who is their crunch time five. Because like you said, like it doesn't matter who starts the game. If they want to put Anthony Davis in at the four to start the game so it makes him feel happy and they, oh, yeah, I'm a power forward. We've mentioned the same thing about Jay Crowder and Cameron Johnson. It's not necessarily who starts the game. It's who finishes the game. Who's the most productive in those minutes. And Anthony Davis, to your point, most likely will end up playing the five. And it'll be based on matchups as well. You know, I think that if they are playing against the, uh, well, yeah, DeAndre Jordan's just washed. So he'll always end up the five. There's no guy who's a true. And they have Dwight Howard too. They have a bunch of guys who, and that's kind of the story. The Lakers are just kind of washed up. You know, I mean, they don't have Andre Drummond anymore, but they yeah. brought back, they yeah. brought back DeAndre, or I'm, I'm sorry, Dwight Howard, 
who don't get me wrong, he still looks like a physical specimen and the hell of a beast, but you know, he's not somebody who necessarily in your crunch time five, you're going to put on the floor becomes he, because he's a liability from the free throw line. So all you have to do is hack a Dwight and you're, you're good. I know. And they're totally washed. It's just like Hollywood, man. It's all coming down. It's all crumbling, right? Right now, the Lakers are a perfect example of the way Hollywood is and the way that, you know, being in LA, I guess it's the cool thing, but it's, it's all coming down soon. All right. It's coming down maybe this year, next year when LeBron and Anthony Davis can't bring them a ring. And then they're going to be like, what are we supposed to do? Oh, I don't know. Get someone else young in there, but it's going to be too late because Hollywood will be done. This, well, and, and all, again, LeBron doesn't want young apart. people because he can't tell them, you know, they, they idolize him too much and they can't yeah. be who they truly are on the court because they're playing in fear of him rather than want to play with him. That's the worst, you right? know, because I mean, Chris Paul is a guy who's very vocal on the court, but he had the ear of the team around him and they didn't fear him. They wanted to learn from him because at the same time, he's a fantastic mentor, whereas that isn't LeBron James's M.O. He's notorious for getting guys shipped out because they don't fit his mold and his vision of the team. Yes. Uh, talking about another player on this team, and you mentioned this a little bit earlier, and I wanted to have this topic of conversation. Is there any possibility that this could be a regression year for Russell Westbrook? Uh, I don't think so, man. The guy, he is, I don't think he's underrated. I think it gets to a point to where he is just doing so much at his age still that a lot of players like, you know, Derek Rose that go hard to the paint all the time and they end up, you know, losing half their ability to even play the game. He just seems like he's just still so explosive. I think he still has it in him. And my favorite thing to do is to watch his little jump shots and stuff where he has the ISO. If he's doing that, then that's great. But if he's getting to the hole and stuff, then he can become a menace. And he's still really, really good on the boards. And I think what is crazy is when he played for the Rockets and they were doing the small ball stuff, mm-hmm. I wanted him to play the five. I think he would be the best small ball five out there, dude, because he can grab <laughs> he's boards. He's got the he hustle. Can, yeah, and he can bang with all of them down there, dude. So he can he can grab the boards, do everything that a 21-year-old can do right now in the NBA, and he's still doing it. He still has it in him. Would I want him on my team, though, to you know have a finals appearance and the game online, you have him in your lineup? Probably not, but that's the Lakers. That's the Lakers deal yeah. now, right? They have yeah. to deal with it. It will not be a regression year. I think he's he had that month or two last year where he came back and he was playing fantastic. Maybe he oh, does that this time. year. It's not going to be something where it's just straight across the board. It's a fantastic year from him, but he's going to have his peaks, and it might land him like an all-star because he is a Laker now. Yeah, this is true, but, I mean, how many Laker all-stars will there be? That's another question Three. based on their based on the record. And, yeah, I mean, potentially it could be. Oh, uh, Coda Kid mentions in the chat, one of our elite jamsters. I love watching Westbrook, but, honestly, I believe he'll be <laughs> traded midseason. Oh, dude, can you imagine? I can. I absolutely well, who- can. Well, who who would they trade him for? I mean, like now, of course, it's too early. But who would who would replace them? That that's great. That's awesome. I love that he brought that up. Um, wouldn't it be crazy if they trade him for Bradley Beal? Send him yes. send send yeah, him back yeah. to Washington. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, crazy. I mean, it, it it is possible when when you look at Russell Westbrook, and you look at how much he's owed this year uh, playing as a member of the Lakers. Uh, he will make a total of $44.2 million this year. Makes $47 wow. million next year and is a free agent following that. So there's a very few select guys who you could trade straight up for. Uh, if there's a package, you know, that's obviously something that's a little bit more appealing. Um, so it is an interesting. Paul? It isn't. No, fuck no. Please, God, no. Please, <laughs> God, no. Um, but, you know, talking about a Russell Westbrook regression 
you know, again, I'm interested to see this because he's going on. He'll be 33 on November 12th. So in just about a month, he'll be 33. Uh, last season averaged 22 points a game, which was his lowest since 2010 slash 11. So his lowest in 10 years. But he also led the league in assists and he had 11.5 rebounds. So he's as as his career has progressed, he's trying to take himself more out of the score role and more of a distributor role. And I think that's exactly why LeBron James wanted him to be a part of the team. You know, and you could say Palinka, but we all know it's LeBron James talking to Palinka. Yeah. You know, and I think that that's kind of what the buy-in is going to be. It's like, listen, stick to your mid-range shots. Please don't shoot three because he's a notorious uh, shitty three-point shooter. He's uh, 30% on his career, 31% last year, uh, 25% the year before with Houston. Um, so it's like, listen, you, you focus to being aggressive to making those uh, those quality passes to set up the teammates around him that'll allow LeBron to play less point LeBron and bring the intensity. And I think that that's the one thing I think we both agree on that we like about mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook is just his passion for the game. You have to love a player like that. You can't be frustrated. It's, it's kind of like Giannis. Giannis is one of those players who you, you can't hate because he just loves playing the game so much and he yeah, gives it his all. Exactly. There, he doesn't take plays off almost, you know, it hurts him almost sometimes because he doesn't, you know, it's a preseason game and he's out there like that dude was so fucking sweaty tonight. I was like, my God, it's a preseason game. Look how hard he's going. And that's what you have to admire about uh, Russell Westbrook. I think again, the challenge for this team moving forward is if he can truly affect, uh, uh, accept his role, especially in those last five minutes. And my guess is for the majority of the game, you'll have Russell Westbrook running the point, And then in that last five minutes, it's going to be a lot of point LeBron because LeBron wants to dictate pace and, you know, Russell Westbrook's kind of notorious for being pretty shitty in the last five minutes of a game. Yeah, it's going to be super awkward. And, Russ, I mean, I've always loved the guy. The guy, like you said, just hustles endlessly. And it's, that's so overlooked. I mean, that's the point of playing this game is just give it your all. And he has for forever. Mm-hmm. And what's great is, like, he's on the Lakers because basically LeBron can tell him what to do, can be his micromanager. You know, and the thing is between LeBron James, the difference between him and like a Chris Paul, Chris Paul, yeah, he's annoying and he'll get in your face. He'll keep he'll keep like digging your own grave if you want him to, but he'll he'll help you back out. But you got to listen to him, right? He'll Mm -hmm. he'll keep pounding it into your mind. The thing with LeBron, it's like if I tell you once, I feel like this is the way it is. If I tell you once or twice and you don't listen I'm gonna roll my eyes. Roll, roll my eyes. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna roll, roll my roll eyes. eyes. <laughs> roll my eyes. I'm gonna roll my eyes and not talk to you the rest of the season. That, that that's the way I feel like LeBron is compared to Chris Paul. Chris Paul is annoying, but he wants you to get better. LeBron's like, if you're not if you're not better, you don't know what I'm saying after a few practices, then forget you. I feel like that's just the way it is. Yeah, he uh, he Bill Belichick's it, if you will. Like if you fumble the ball, you're out of the game. Like LeBron James, like if you fumble the ball. Or you do something that yeah, opposes yeah. what he says, like he's just going to freeze you out, and that's why no. you know you look at young guys that he's played in the past who are trying to develop and grow under his tutelage, and mm-hmm. he just you know they're going to make rookie mistakes, and he doesn't have the patience that, uh, as you mentioned, Chris Paul. Chris Paul definitely has that patience. So you know Russell Westbrook, not the greatest of games, and he kind of displayed the other side of Russell Westbrook. And one of the reasons I asked the question about regression, and I, again, I'll say it again, you know, it's a preseason game, doesn't count. But, you know, he went three for 12 tonight, you know. I mean, that's that's a lot of missed shots. And if he does those kind of things in the regular season with LeBron on the court with him, not on the sideline wearing a do-rag over his uh, balding hair, which I don't know if it's a good thing for that. If, like, if you're going bald like LeBron is and you've tried, like, all those different well, surgeries. Seating. 
Oh, he's he's doing the October seating. It's that a makes seating. Sense. You got to cover it. Yeah, the sun and stuff. No, it makes sense. It's like, it's like a, his head's like a golf course right now. They're just they're seating in preparation. <laughs> exactly. You know, for for the winter, he's he's, he's planted exactly, his winter grass. Yeah. So, uh, one last Laker uh, I did want to talk about. Oh, were you going to say mm-hmm. something? Huh? No, no, we're oh. good. We're done. One last Laker with that. I was going to talk about was uh, Carmelo Anthony. You know, see yeah. him out there. We've watched him now for 19 years. He's 10th all time in scoring. Here's a fun question for you, Matthew. Where does Carmelo Anthony rank on your best players of the last 20 years? Um, If I had to actually have a list, write it out. I don't even know if he would be in the top 30, right? He would be really? somewhere. He'd be, yeah, because I don't even think about him too much. And when I was watching him tonight, I was thinking about, you know, him and LeBron came out the same draft class. And no one really talks about Carmelo, right? Because he never won, right? He never yeah. won, never. But no one talks really bad about him anymore. I feel like they give him crap because he's hopping teams or whatever. But, I mean, what is he supposed to do? He's, he's He was out of the league for like a year. Mm-hmm. He's getting chances at these other teams that he's friends with. So, of course, he's going to join. He still has them. I'm, I'm still kind of scared of him. I know Miguel, Miguel kind of like gave him the business tonight, which was nice to see. But it's just weird because LeBron has so much more success than Carmelo, but yet LeBron is just torn apart daily. I mean, he's talked about, of course, daily, but torn apart, just so much negativity towards him. But then now I feel like Carmelo, because he hasn't had any success, he's kind of like hidden in the shadows in a way, which I'm like, is that good, better for you as a as a human to be LeBron or Carmelo? Which one? Because if you're getting torn apart, I know a lot of people always say Twitter doesn't matter. Twitter doesn't mean anything. It's not a real place, right? It's nothing. It's just people yeah. talking shit, but it still hurts people. And I just feel like Carmelo just didn't get there in time to really have so much pressure put on him and so much negativity th- towards him like LeBron. So I was just thinking like who had the better life? <laughs> probably LeBron. Well, I mean, clearly he probably LeBron is, it. and, and he's like number one. Yeah, I know, but I just think like it's it's something that's fake out there. LeBron has to put on a show, but deep down inside, deep down feelings, I'm like, I wonder which one, you know, has it worse. But uh, man, you zagged, and I'm I guess I'm gonna have to zig on this one because, uh, <laughs> you know, it, again, going back to my original question, in the last yeah, twenty question? years, in the last twenty years, where does he rank on your best players <laughs> of the last twenty years? Like he's got to be, maybe top ten for me. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah, he might not have won a championship or had that success, but, you know, Carmelo, Carmelo Anthony has constantly and consistently been a force in the NBA. He's just been on some teams that, you know, he, he didn't get to build out the teams like LeBron did. You know, he wasn't on a big three team. He had Amari Stoudemire in New York for a bunch of years, but they were never big three. And they were, you know, yeah. James Dolan the running Nuggets that team, team into the ground. Yeah. The, uh, the Nuggets teams that he first was on, those were really good teams. They just couldn't get past you know, some really good Western Conference teams like the Phoenix Suns, like the San Antonio Spurs, uh, yeah. like the Dallas Mavericks. And the back end of his career, you know, he's pretty much become a hired gun. But when he comes in, he he still scores. You know, I mean, you look at him last season with Portland and, you know, he averaged 13.4 points per game and he only started three games out of the 69 he played. I mean, he's a hired gun who comes in. He, he's just he's been a killer scorer. He led the league mm-hmm. in scoring in 2012 slash 13. You know, he's a 10-time All-Star, uh, six-time All-NBA. And, you know, if, if you look at the hierarchy, and again, from a hierarchy standpoint, you have to, the conversation begins like, okay, well, what do you value most? And typically people will say championships. And, you know, from there, then it goes into like All-NBAs and, and, and scoring and what have you. So, you know, 
Steph's above him. James Harden's above him. Steve Nash is above him. So, yeah, maybe as you develop out this list, he's maybe further down uh, than you think based on some different metrics mm-hmm. yeah, and M- MVPs and things of that nature. But, you know, he's definitely in my top 30. He's got to be in my top 20. I mean, he's he's the 10th all-time leading scorer in the NBA. Like, he, the know. guy just – he scores points. And it might not have always equated to success, but – you know, again, as as I'm watching him tonight, as you're seeing one of the last seasons in his career, as he's taking one last final swing at a championship, you know, it's just it, it kind of puts it in perspective uh, mm-hmm. who he is, what he's accomplished in his career, and ultimately, you know, how he hasn't been successful in his career. Sometimes due to to his own detriment, you know, I believe. Uh, who put it in here? Somebody said that he tried to force his way out of yeah, uh, Ted Nibble. Ted L- L- yeah, yeah, said he felt forced his way out of Denver. He might have been uh, better served if he had stayed. That's very, very true. You know, and that ended up hurting him because he wanted to go to the bright lights of mm-hmm. New York. Uh, you know, but again, as Coda Kid says, like, you know, Denver Mello was scary as fuck. He really was. I mean, he was a scoring machine. This is a guy who ultimately in his career, even including all the bench time he played, he's averaging 23 points in his entire career, uh, 28.7, 28.9. 28.2. I mean, he he used to just light it up when he played in Denver, man. He was he was a good player. Uh, I don't think that he's going to be a super productive. He, he's going to be the guy, again, going back to the national me- media narrative, he's going to be the guy every time he comes in and he hits two threes like he did tonight. I mean, what, what did he end with? I think he hit three threes, and that's all they talked about with him. He, he went five for seven from deep and had 17 points. Uh, only Anthony Davis scored more points than him on the Lakers, and he's going to have those those heat check moments. And you're going to see plenty of that during the season. Then everyone's going to gravitate towards that, but will it ultimately equate to success? I really don't think so. I mean, what is success really? I mean, it's him winning a championship with the Lakers and then you still end up drinking yourself to death. So either way, you know, that's just the way it ends. So you can, you can be happy for the half hour you have. (laughs) Anyways. All right, let's hit it. Jam star of the game. All right, Jamsters, this is a reminder. If you're watching along live on YouTube, let us know who your Jam Star of the Game was. And if you're listening, wherever you are, make sure you hit that subscribe button. I'm sure you already have. Uh, But let us know. So, Matthew, who are you going to drop the Jam Star of the Game on in this 29-point victory over the Los Angeles Lakers in a game that doesn't count? I think it was Mikael Bridges. I think it's the guy on the team. Yeah, we didn't even um, talk about Mikael. Yeah, he had a pretty good game. And it, a we lot did of the ball same thing last right? podcast. Well, we went the whole the thing, thing. We didn't talk yeah. about him at all. Because we keep saying it doesn't matter preseason. So we just go off on these tangents about, you know, social other media. Things. Yes. Other things that really matter. I just, I really think that he had a good game just because you can see him trying to handle the ball more, be more of that guy who might be the third option offensively. He was trying a lot more defensively. He was really, he was there with Carmelo. He was there with everybody. And Mm -hmm. he looks like in his stance on defense, he's a little bit more hunched. He's a little bit more focused and ready to go. I don't know if it's because he's just, the energy he has right now, he's just ready to go at it. I know he's the one guy that they have his contract ready and probably ready to go. And they're just waiting for the Aiden part. I just will, I just think that for some reason. I think that they, they already know they're going to resign McHill. They're just waiting to get the Aiden part done yes. so they can just do him at the same time, right? Yeah, so probably. this guy's locked in, I think. And I think he just showed some good stuff on offense, man. He's he's trying to be more the ball handler. And that's what I want to see because I think he can be that guy. So keep working on it, McHill. Well, yeah, this is the time <laughs> of year to be doing it. And he was initiating offense. He was going one-on-one against Anthony Davis. Uh, on mm-hmm. both sides of the floor. I mean, he ended up with, I think, four or five fouls, and four of those came against Anthony Davis. 
And that's what you like to see. You like to see him trying to get physical, trying to work on those different things that will assist him moving forward. Um, we even talk about DeAndre Ayton making a three mm-hmm. in this game. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, it's an old conversation, but how does that make you feel? I don't know. You don't want me to read my notes I have for DeAndre today. It's It doesn't matter. It's preseason, but yeah. I was still kind of like, oh, my gosh. Are we going to do this? Are we going to have to bring back Ayton Watch again this year? <laughs> we might. We might have to because if he's – if he's doing this stuff, man, he still finished with good stats. I didn't like what I saw though in the first half. But anyways, watch twenty twenty one. Yeah, it's still it applicable. Is. Yeah, okay. I mean, I, I I put in my notes, uh, <laughs> you know, I I put he looked tired. <laughs> I put he hasn't yes, unleashed dominating mode you. yet. Look very lackadaisical. I just don't feel like he's engaged because it's the preseason. I'm not worried know, in any way, shape, or form. But he wasn't looking sharp. He, you know, a lot of passes were going off the hands. My like, gosh, oh, shit, the same old eight and stuff. But again, doesn't matter. So I'm not. I gonna guess be not. Over, but when you have a contract, off. you're going to sign and stuff. You'd think. Yeah, you'd show, that's that's the other side. I of don't it. know. It's so weird. And the tired thing. I'm glad you brought that up, man, because he is like the only guy in the court ever that shows how tired he is. Yes. And I'm I'm just gonna say right now, I'm sick of seeing that. You know what I mean? Like I I, I know they put their themselves through a lot in these games and stuff. But there's not another player out there where you watch him on replays or like when they're just standing there waiting for the offense to come down or when they're playing defense and just like huffing and puffing like him. Yeah, I just I've never seen it. I just I don't for this long into his career. I've just it's it's insane how tired he looks. Yeah, I know. And again, it's like you said, like everyone's tired out there, but he truly shows it. So again, this is game three of the preseason. This is where you should be utilizing it to assist in your conditioning. And I think that he's definitely, definitely using that as an opportunity. Uh, some of the jamsters, they give uh, sticks. That's a the, good the jam star, JaVale uh, from Sons and Four. Scott Lacey says McGee, Coda kids says Chandler Hutchinson. <laughs> um, I, I really liked how Chris Paul played in this game. 23 minutes, yeah. seven for 11 from the field, 15 points, five assists, just working on his jumper in this game, hitting that midi. Um, so he was looking really good. Uh, I think that Cameron Johnson, his nine points on four for seven shooting, three rebounds, one assist. We continue to be impressed by, you know, in the limited minutes that he is utilized, he's showing uh, that growth. And just, you know, I I think that one thing I've noticed from both Cameron Johnson and Mikhail Bridges is they both have a little Nader in them this year. They're a little bit more like when I get the ball, I'm doing something with it. And because Nader's one of those guys who knows, like, I'm going to be playing a limited amount of minutes, so I have to maximize my opportunities in these minutes. Therefore, I get the ball, I attack, I shoot a three, I'm going for a rebound, like, I'm doing something, I'm making an impact. I feel like both Mikhail and Cam Johnson thus far in the preseason are doing just that, and again, that's what a lot of us expected. Uh, I'm going to – my jam star is going to go to Landry Shamit. He's the one who got me most excited in this game you know it was a lot of Shamit early we didn't see him very late in the game because they're trying out you know they're they're letting Peyton play they're letting Chase and Randall play and you know I yeah. think that they didn't really need him he showed what he needed to show right off the bat it's like hey I can hit that three smooth I can I can run to the right spot so I can be available for my uh, point guards to hit those shots you know corner three three quarter uh shots I mean he, he hits them all from all over so I just I really uh, want to bestow that again to to Mr. Mr. Landry Shannon. He's just he's looking fantastic. He has me he has me excited, Matthew. It does yeah, this is gonna be a tough award to give out every show. Yeah, I mean <laughs> we just went through the whole roster almost trying to figure out who the hell to send it to. Yes. So 
Get used to it. It's a good problem to have, though. Absolutely. I mean, that's exactly what you want. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about before we get out of here is it was just it's nice to see those purple jerseys. You know, this is the second time that they've worn them in the preseason. The first game being against the Sacramento Kings, which a lot of people didn't see because it was only in the Sacramento market. But you know, I think we all all love the Valley jerseys and we love that marketing campaign. But I feel like it was really overused last season, especially in the playoffs. Like every chance they could. They wore these jerseys, these Valley jerseys. And that's great. But like seeing the Suns out there in purple, it just feels right, doesn't it? It does. And they should have worn it in the playoffs more last year, you mm-hmm. know? And they're they're good looking. They're not my favorite, but they're good. They're decent, right? They're not as bad as like what the Cardinals wore today, where it's just like, oh, here's black, and then you just give up on the rest of it with the helmet and the pants. It's like, <laughs> know, right? it's like it's like seriously, it's like they lost their jerseys or something on the way. To, even though they're playing home, <laughs> they had the wrong jerseys there. No, so what, what happened? What happened this morning or yesterday when they were washing everybody's jerseys before the game is they washed them with with the pants in the bleach, and they ruined that's, all the red jerseys. That's what it looks like. And there's like shit. Uh, just put out the what black ones. That? I guess the Cardinals need a jersey year, refresh, dude. So so next damn year, bad. They need it next year. Just do I, it. They, I, I don't know why they didn't do it this year, man. You have a dynamic quarterback in Kyler Murray. You just signed J.J. Watt. Like you're the only undefeated team now in uh, all of football, and you're out yeah. there running around like looking like clowns. Like our jerseys are so bad. It's bad. I'm it's, sorry. I, I, the yeah. white helmets, the black. It's just nasty. I hate yeah. it. Doesn't doesn't look sorry. good. But <laughs> as for the Suns, the purple looks great. And another thing I really like is how on all NBA jerseys they've taken the Nike logo and they made it like this diamond for the 75th anniversary yeah. for yeah. the NBA, and uh, that looks really good. And I mean, did you see? The commercial, the NBA 75th anniversary commercial. Yeah, I saw part of it with Booker. I saw yes. the Booker part. That's it. Oh, my God, man. So, I mean, if you watch the whole commercial, it's fantastic. It's just, it's a great commercial. It, it gives a nod. So many mm-hmm. little micro nods. CP3's in there. Uh, everybody's like, well, where's Jordan? They literally have the actor Michael Jordan driving Michael the bus. B. Jordan. Yeah, oh, Michael yeah, B. Jordan. Yeah. You know, so it's yeah. kind of that nod. And they do show a highlight of, of Michael Jordan. But I mean, it's it's such a great commercial, and then you know, I mean, you see the the Kobe moment, and you got Book there, and and just you know his jeet out ride, giving the salute. I mean, like mm-hmm. a tear almost came to my eye. I just I thought it was such so well done. In fact, I was watching uh, uh, football today, and it and it came on, and like I'm like, dude, we got to watch this. We got to watch this. You know, and like my mom, I was watching yeah. with my mom and my wife, and I was just like, this is. Uh, this is such a good commercial, man. I just, I love the NBA so much. I love the NBA. <laughs> I love how uh, Booker is really just the front right now for the Suns. And he's just going to be so involved with everything going forward with the NBA, you know, for like the next 10 years. And it's really exciting too, because he's just so well-respected. And I mean, to get the nod too, especially from Kobe's wife um, to do that in the commercial, that's, that's really legit. Yeah. That's something that's really special. Yeah. And again, it just, it shows, it shows, the respect that Booker has for his idol and how the NBA recognizes that as well. Yeah. yeah. Uh, real quick, Coda Kid says in the chat, we need purple Valley jerseys. I would love that. Yeah. Just do that them in every color. I think they yes. look great. Well, that's yeah. what I like. They should have done this year. It's like this year they should have done the Valley jersey, but in purple. And then like next year they could do it like in orange. Like you could take that Valley yeah. concept and, and extrapolate it out and get multiple jersey concepts out of it. And there's like, no, we're just going to stick with the exact same thing from last year. Which is fine. Yeah. It's a good looking jersey. It's fine. I'm, I'm yeah, I guess pissed, it is. But, but I love the purple. That's what makes the Suns the Suns. I know. You know man. when pe- people I know. always ask, they go, "What's the best jersey 
in Suns history. And everybody falls back on the sunburst black jerseys worn yes. in the 93-94 season. They didn't wear them in 92-93. It was the year after 92-93 uh, when they lost to the Houston Rockets. Um, and they fall back on those. And I'll tell you, my favorite jerseys of all time are the sunburst, but in purple, and the Wild West purples. They're just yeah, both so beautiful. Good. The purple looks clean, man. Dude, just like black is too easy. I don't know. I feel like it's a cop out. Just listen to listen to Twitter. Listen. I mean, that's the cool thing about um when they're what was the yeah, the Mayan one? Or was it yes, the Aztec jersey. <laughs> that the yes. Mayan, I'm sorry, the Aztec ones. Um that's You're cool so that they throw them out sensitive. there. I know, man. They Jeez. actually that's a cool idea to bring those out there so we can just, you know, judge them for ourselves. Exactly. Everyone yeah, yeah. likes them. So that's yeah. a good way to do it. It's a great way to do it. Throw a purple valley jersey out there and see the response. Exactly. I, mean, I bet you yeah. people will go absolutely ape shit. A uh, couple more reminders I want to throw out there. The Suns Jam Session Listener League. We are still accepting applications. If you're interested in playing fantasy basketball with both Matthew, myself, and so says Jay from Fanning the Flames, the reigning champion. And I will continue to say that because he earned it last season. Uh, please hit us up on Twitter at Suns Jam. If you're interested and tell us why you should be a part of the league, we will be having our draft on Monday, October 18th at 9 p.m. with the regular season starting the next day. So that's going to be really fun. If you're interested in having your artwork displayed on the podcast as a background for Matthew, hit us up at Suns Jam on Twitter as well. You can follow me at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew Lissy. I'm Matthew Lissy. And make sure you subscribe, rate, and review wherever you're listening to this. Unless it's on YouTube, then go ahead and hit that thumbs up button. Uh, it was fantastic being home for this podcast. Our next one will be coming to you Wednesday. Uh, did they move that game up, Matthew? It's at two o'clock, two p.m. Well, Fuddruckers, I'm supposed to, yeah. uh, I'm supposed to cover that one for Bright Side of the Sun. I don't know if I can do that because I'll be working at that time. I'll have to reach out to my buddy Dave mm. King and be like, "Hey, I can do the 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 preview and the live thing, but I can't." Do, I didn't know uh, he threw that out there already. Jeez. Oh yeah, no wonder, so you, no wonder you, you wanted the Slack channel, dude. <laughs> hit up the. <laughs> he, he, he texted up the me. Channel. He texted me uh, two days ago. It's like, hey. Uh, What's going on? Where are you at? I'm like, oh man. Whoops. Oh, that's uh, why. Yeah. He, he's posted exactly. it like twice. Uh, but yeah. they are playing the Portland Trailblazers at home. I guess what? it's been moved up to two o'clock. So we will be going live later that night. Uh, my assumption is we'll probably go live after the Mercury game again. Or do you want to go earlier? Uh, we can go on after. Or we can want to play it by ear? We'll play it by ear. See, there you go. So, see how Jamsters, this is how we figure out when we're going on live next. But we will be live on Wednesday. I will be in Reno, Nevada once again. Not in the comfort of my home in here in Aww. Phoenix. Oh, well. That's too bad. Oh, well. <laughs> but uh, that's all I have. Again, thank you so much for hanging out with the Jamsters. We really appreciate it. It's so much fun to do this and be a part of, of your lives again. Coming in hot. That's all yes. I have. Yeah. And uh, everyone, go home and love your family. See you next time.